Before I begin message two, I want to say a brief word, and by brief I mean two or three minutes, concerning the upcoming December training. And I want to take this opportunity uh, to make clear the difference between the life study trainings we had and the crystallization study training. We all know the life study trainings opened up the truth and the life aspects through every book of the Bible. And after Brother Lee completed that, he began a new series of ministry messages called Crystallization Studies. And a crystallization study of a book, let's say Romans or the Gospel of John, is not a summary of the life study. It's not an extract of the life study. Rather, a crystallization study is a study that identifies the crucial significance of very important points. Those are the crystals. And then the study develops that crystal as revealed in that book and then traces the development of the scripture throughout the New Testament. So if you look at the the life study, uh, the crystallization study of John, Brother Lee doesn't have messages and all the, the cases of turning death into life. He selects certain crystals and develops them. And this brings us into the very heart of the word and the heart of God. Now, yes, I was, was involved with Brother Ed composing the outlines, did so through the prayers of the body and the life in the body. And we have not labored more or fight a battle more intensely to produce these outlines in any other time. Because the crystals are of phenomenal importance. For instance, if uh, whatever reason you feel this Training that will be online is not for you. We respect that, of course. But you will not know that David typifies the warring Christ. And that his wife, Abigail, typifies the warring church. And how they're tip- what they typify applies to us. So I mentioned this very briefly to, just to make it clear. And maybe it will just help you decide, as we're nearing the end, of whether or not you want to be part of this crystallization study training. I'm not here to recruit. I'm not here to persuade. I'm here to clarify. Okay? That part is over. Now we come to message two. And a very brief of the general subject. And of what we covered uh, last night, the general subject is 
living the Christian life at the end of the present age. And we pointed out that the expression present age has two basic meanings. One, it refers to the age in God's economy called the age of grace. It's also known as the age of the church, even the age of mystery and the age of faith. And just as the age of the law ended when the Lord came to preach the gospel of the kingdom, this age will also end. It's been going on for 2,000 years, and the end is not far away. But I'm not going to try to guess or speculate or try to prophesy anything. Only God knows. And then the other aspect of age, the present age we are emphasizing, refers to a particular period of time that is a part of the satanic world system on the earth. And just consider the difference that has taken place in our own country, in our own state, in the last three or four years. Is it not different from the year 2010? Are there not some radically different things? Because the age has changed and the evil powers in the air are operating through open minds that do not know they're actually worshiping Satan to accomplish what he wants. And so this kind of age will always be with us until it's really the end of the age, which literally means the last three years of the 70th week of the book of Daniel. Those seven years will begin when Israel makes a covenant with a powerful European leader to enable them to rebuild the temple on the mount which has now been cleared and possessed by them. And then three and a half years later, the living overcomers will be raptured. This powerful European leader will be assassinated and will be miraculously resuscitated and when that happens he will have the spirit of antichrist in his being and the great tribulation will begin and that is the last three and a half years of this present age in god's economy and i don't want to be around here when that part is taking place And so there's the sense in many of us, as a result of our prayer and our consideration and seeking the Lord during this pandemic, what is going on? What is the enemy doing? What is the wise and sovereign God allowing this to happen? And this kind of calamity, compared to what is coming, is kindergarten calamity. Because what's coming will be the supernatural calamities empowering the natural calamities. And 
There's no way any of us can escape from being on the earth, surrounded by this situation. And the question is, will we stand firmly for Christ and the church? Will we allow the Lord to save us, what is now part of the topic tonight, to be saved from this generation? Will we be absolutely given to the building up of the church as the body of Christ to prepare the bride? Or will we compromise, which many are doing, many Christians, and the Lord knows, the sovereign Lord knows where all the saints are tonight. Some might have decided no Saturday night is my enjoyment time. I'm out dancing and drinking or whatever it is. Then that's a choice. That's an indicator of where they're really living. And we'll address that in this message. And so now I just give you the subject and briefly comment on it. And then we come to the first point. And I'll spend oh several minutes on the first point because there's something crucial I need to present to you. Being saved from the crooked and perverted generation to be the corporate Christ as today's ark. I'll read the verses soon. Two, two portions. But there are, there are, there's more than one way that we need to be saved. It is a great blessing and mercy of God that all of us here have been saved unto eternal life. We will be in the new heaven and the new earth. We will be part of the corporate wife of the redeeming God. We will enjoy him forever and ever. That is our eternal salvation through faith. We have been born of God. We're children of God. This is a great thing to be saved. We have a savior. But there are at least two other ways that we need to be saved. And one of them is mentioned by Paul clearly. In Romans chapter 5, verse 10. It's the key verse to that book. And he said, we have been reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved in his life. And Brother Ed and I are nearing the end of this ministry meeting series on the Wednesday night, which has been focusing on Romans 5 and 6, on being saved in life from every negative thing and to be matured in life. But then the other aspect that we're coming to now is to be saved from the time in which we now live. And from the generation, meaning 
the way people are living corporately in the world in this age. And this, I'll read the verses now. The two of the apostles, Peter and John, speak very directly. The first is in Acts chapter 2, verse, let's see. Uh, after um, chapter 2 verse 40 and with many other words he solemnly testified and exhorted them saying be saved from this crooked generation have you ever heard a gospel message like this or a part of a gospel message you need to be saved not just from perdition not just from the lake of fire. You need to be saved from the crooked and the crooked generation. And what I will try to make clear, looking to the Lord's blessing and anointing and flowing to help us understand what is this crooked generation and why do we need to be saved from it? The other verse is in Philippians. <clears throat> there are actually two verses. Chapter 2, verses 15 and 16. That you may be blameless <clears throat> and guileless children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked... <clears throat> Excuse me, you said to clear the flame. I'm sorry without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine as luminaries in the world, holding forth the word of life, so that I may boast in the day of Christ that I did not run in vain nor labor in vain. He is speaking to the saints in Philippi to a very healthy church. Be blameless and guileless, children of God, without blemish, where? In the midst, this is where we are, in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation. And what God our Father is looking for, that we will shine as luminaries In the world, when you go to your job or your other responsibilities on Monday, you are faithful and diligent to do your work. You devote the time and energy to what you are charged to do. But you may or may not be a luminary shining in the presence of others. They're aware of it. And many of us can testify by abiding in the vine, we have borne fruit just by having co-workers and friends ask to have a cup of coffee with us. I just want to understand really the kind of person you are because you don't participate in our gossip. You don't use the same kind of language. You're always on time. 
You don't criticize anybody. But even more than that, there's something shining out of you. I want to know what it is. Well, here, here we now come to the first point. And uh, I want to say this as a, as a preface. How, how anyone reacts to me personally, whether they like it or they don't like it. I'll respond to a question tomorrow night. One of the questions thought that, well, maybe saints don't want to come because they're not beneficial. Well, it's okay. This doesn't bother me. I just have to be faithful to the Lord. But the statement I'm going to read, I'd like everyone to pay attention to, especially the younger saints, meaning younger adults. If you do not receive this word, you are rejecting the word of God. and You are rejecting the ministry of the age. Because this is not something I came up with. I can't do that. Today, there are only two things on earth. The crooked and perverted generation and the church as the corporate expression of Christ. Just ponder them. That's all there is. These are the choices we have. Will we live as part of the crooked and perverted generation? Or will we be in the church as the corporate expression of Christ, building up the body of Christ? It it cannot be both. And more than once have I made this rather direct comment that in various places, generally rather affluent places, and usually among highly educated saints, they have arranged a certain kind of church life that they think is, quote, balanced and so they actually have one foot in the church and one foot in the world system deliberately that is why i'm going to read to you a question submitted to me but it was too late for me to respond to in a meeting of fellowship this morning with a a large number of the leading and responsible brothers. And this question came from one of them, from a source that we should honor and respect. Let me read it to you. The working saints among us seem to be very active in sporting events, celebrations, of special occasions, concerts, Broadway shows, movies, and fancy dancing with drinking. These activities are often displayed in social media. And because it's done by so many of the saints, 
it is influencing the young people to also aspire to having this kind of lifestyle. This is happening in our midst. And I will be very pleasantly surprised if I would find out that none of these younger working saints are doing something like this right now. This is a style of life. And so there's a following question with this. Do you have any fellowship on helping these saints not to post things that may have unintended effects on the younger generation? Well, before the Lord, I have no choice but to share what's in me regarding this. Those dear saints, and they are dear, who have this manner of life, this lifestyle, even fancy drinking, fancy dancing and drinking, they do not obey 1 John 2.15, a command from an apostle. Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in him. Why would someone want to go fancy dancing or have gourmet dinner with all kinds of alcoholic drink within measure? Instead of joining us in this conference. Why? Because the love of the Father is not in them. Instead, there's the love of the world and the love of the things in the world. And they may be quite intelligent, so they can work out a kind of justification. That no, this is balance. These are human needs. Well, that's up to them. But I'm not done yet. The fact that this is a lifestyle, not a once in a year unusual occasion, a lifestyle, this makes it very clear first to the Lord, and then to the discerning saints. They are living as part of this crooked and perverted generation. And a very particular judgment will be coming upon this particular generation. The same kind of judgment that came with the flood. Everyone was wiped out. And truly generated believers, children of God, maybe some FTTA graduates, they will suffer the judgment the same as everyone else 
in that generation. They will not lose their salvation. They will surely lose the kingdom. But they will also experience this judgment. Then they have to pass through the great tribulation before they're finally released. And as a brother serving the Lord, I bear testimony to 1 John 4.19. That verse says, we love because he, God, first loved us. It doesn't say merely we love God because he first loved us. We love. And whether everyone believes this or not, I can say in the Lord's presence, I love all the saints, regardless of their condition, regardless of the situation, regardless of what they're doing to them. I care for them. It's clear to me, dear saints, what is coming. And they can either be rescued from this generation and participate in building up the ark, the corporate Christ, or they will perish along with the worldly things that they love. And in the message last night, we emphasized the Lord's word in Matthew 24 about as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. Then immediately after he spoke about that, he spoke about a rapture of the living overcomers. Two men in a field laboring, one taken, the other not. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken, the other not. But I feel I need to read a parallel portion from Luke 17. And Luke, yes, he mentions first the days of Noah. But it's very significant that he says this. Chapter 17, starting at verse 28. Likewise, even as it happened in the days of Lot, they were eating, they were drinking, they were buying, they were selling, they were planting, they were building. But on the day in which Lot went out from Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. It will be the same on the day in which the Son of Man is revealed. That's powerful. That's our Lord's word. And notice it doesn't mention here, because it's Sodom and Gomorrah. So these portions regarding the days of Noah and the days of Lot are pictures of the present crooked, perverted, degraded generation. This aspect of the world system. And we are living in it. But we should not be of it. 
And so this matter in the first point here, there are only two things. There's no third. There's no neutral there's no neutrality. You can say I'm not for either one. I'm I'm just for my own life. Well, your own life then will not be according to God. And this is, what are we going to do with this? What are the saints in the Lord's recovery in California going to do with this matter? It's either or. Some cleverly might have the thought, well, I'm young. Yes, you are. Compared to me, you're really young. And I have plenty of time. And so when I think I've had my opportunity to enjoy this lifestyle, and I have time, and I have companions to do it, and there'll be a time when I make a turn. Really? How do you know? How do you know you'll be able to turn? How do you know you will be alive to turn? This is trying to have it both ways. So I leave this now. I can say before the Lord and I can say to you, I am innocent of your blood. I did not warn you. If I had this in me, my dear brothers and sisters, and didn't share it with you, I would be seriously accountable to the Lord, not just at the judgment seat, tonight, tonight. And I just long out of loving concern because God loves and his love is fresh poured out in my heart. And the love is new and fresh For so many others. I don't want to see this happen. To any beloved brother or sister. To have this kind of end. To their life. And to lose everything. To lose the kingdom. To miss the wedding feast. Just to have some temporary enjoyment. In this style of life. But I would make one request for those mentioned in this question. Surely you have no intention to damage anybody. There must be some reasons that you post this on social media. But now we're telling you it's affecting many young people. Will you please stop for their sake? Will you please stop? For their parents' sake. If you want to do it, if you want to record it, please don't make it public. Because maybe tomorrow, your two hours tomorrow, we can say, this is my balance church time. Well, that's up to you. You know, we're going on. And, uh, There'll be at least 30 minutes for your response. 
I say fully amen to what our brother Shed said in the beginning. I was so touched and supplied and ministered to you. But what the saints shared last night, the sincerity, the genuineness, the reality of it. A, A, whoever is not in the church as the corporate expression of Christ today is in the crooked generation. It doesn't say whoever is not in the church life. It's easy to say I'm in the church life, whatever that might mean to that person. In the church as the corporate expression of Christ. We are either in the church in this way, not just being in meetings, not just doing outward things, merely. We are part of the corporate expression of Christ. One, as long as we, a believer in Christ, is not built up in the church, that one is in the crooked and perverted generation. And so I just call out to all the saints, consider attending to a meeting now and then and participating in some kind of gatherings when it's convenient. You can say, I'm in the church life. I'm I'm standing here. In that sense, you are. But be honest. You're not built up. Be honest with yourself. You don't even know what this means. You may not even want to know. It's not on your list of important things. This is the greatest prophecy in the whole Bible. I will build my church. Two, if a believer, a child of God, is not in the church, That one is not in the testimony of Jesus. Rather, such a believer is in the crooked and perverted generation of the present evil age. And so, the dear ones referred to in a hidden way in this question. You are part of the present age, the crooked and perverted age. You're a part of that. You are not a part of the built-up church. I am very clear because of my history in Christianity to know the difference between a Christian and what they call Sunday, getting Nicely dressed up and coming for an hour and listen to the sermon. No matter what they did on Saturday night. Now, some of these dear saints, they would say, no, I'm not in a denomination. I'm in the Lord's recovery. But the way you are practicing the church life, if you want to call it church life, is the way of Christianity. You've never been there. I've been there a long time. 
And it's so clear if you discern the difference. And I'm not here. I do not have a spirit of judging or criticizing. It's love. I don't want you to be deceived by the enemy or by yourself. I hunger and thirst for reality, genuineness, sincerity, truthfulness in everything. I know what's going to happen based upon the word. I don't want to see this happen to you. I'd like you to experience the blessing of being part of the organic expression of Christ built up because the Lord is building up the universal church, my church, by building up local churches. There's no magical building of the universal church as some think. You read Ephesians 2, 21 and 22. Verse 21, the universal building. Verse 22, you also. The church in the city where you are is the place where building is going on, is taking place. And you are either part of it or not. But there's no use pretending. Everything will be made crystal clear when we stand before the Son of Man. I look to the Lord, Lord, anything I have to clear up, anything I have to repent of, please show me now. I want to be ready for that. But that's on kind of the negative side. I want to be part of what will be the fulfillment of the desire of your heart. The desire of your heart. I want to be with the saints that fulfill Ephesians 4.16. The body is building itself up in love. I just want to be a part of this. Where I am and with all the churches everywhere. Be the entire world with its unbelieving and believing aspects. Is condemned by God. God is using his loving and faithful seekers in his recovery to protest against today's trend. To protest against. In part, this message is a protest. It's an open, clear, strong protest against today's trend. And so the Lord needs what kind of saints? Loving and faithful seekers. And the fact that you are here tonight, and I can see your countenance on the screen in many of the boxes. It's just a comfort to me to know that I'm meeting with loving and faithful seekers in the recovery. That's why we're here. See, the church as the corporate expression of Christ is a testimony against today's evil generation. How certain media and certain politicians are just using again and again racist, racist, Racist. That's racist. Oh, if you 
require your employees to come on time. That's racist. Well, we are an anti-testimony. There is no racism in the body of Christ. We are one new man. People called and saved from all directions on the earth. Every race, every class, every nation, every language. We are truly the one new man. No bias, no prejudice, no preferences. The same love for one another. This is our testimony. This love is building itself up. And I have some understanding of those that have been marginalized and mistreated for decades. And they come in our midst. I can understand. You want to test things out. Please, we welcome you. And I would say to them, I have. Here I am with you, your brother. I open my being to you. Read my heart. Just read my heart. How do I feel toward you? This is our testimony, the anti-testimony. When the church is the testimony of Jesus, protesting against the crooked, evil, perverted generation, as the testimony of Jesus, we, the church, as a corporate expression of Christ, stand against the present crooked and perverted generation. This is not the focus of my portion in the ministry. The focus is Christ and the church, the reality of the body, the manifestation of the one new man, the readiness of the bride, the coming of the bridegroom, But this is part of an anti-testimony, and I'm not ashamed to say this message, in part, is a protest against the whole generation. Not a protest against a brother or a sister. Not protesting persons. Protesting the present crooked and perverted generation. We are a golden lampstand shining in the darkness. And that light is exposing, and that light testifies what is real. Now we go on to the building part, the corporate Christ part. If we would be the corporate expression of Christ in the church life, we need to be today's, quote, family of Noah, building the corporate Christ, as the ark that will deliver us from the crooked and perverted generation and usher us into the coming age of the kingdom of God. Let's all review what Noah and his family did. He was in that narrow line of the faithful, believing people of God. And he inherited and he practiced and lived out all that his forebears had experienced and learned. Then the commission was given to him because he found favor in the eyes of God to tell him, in 120 years, I will destroy every living thing on the earth. 
Their situation is incurable. They're just flesh. The earth is filled with violence. There's no government. And I want you to build this ark and to bring the animals there and your family. And this ark typifies both Christ personally and Christ corporately. And so Christ typifies Christ because he is the one in whom we are saved and we're saved from judgment and are brought into another realm, the kingdom of God. We've been born of God. But I'm following Brother Lee to use his expression, the corporate Christ is also typified by the ark. It represents the church as the corporate expression of Christ. Now let's just reflect on what that ark did for Noah and his family. Two main things. The first was they were saved from the judgment on that evil generation. They were saved. They spent a long time in that ark. Then the water subsided. The ark settled somewhere. Eventually, Noah and his family came out. They were in a new age. And it was at that time that human government was established by God, beginning with Noah. And the realm in which they now entered signifies the coming kingdom of God. The ark, the corporate Christ that many of us have given our lives to build will save us from the judgment coming on the present crooked and perverted generation and bring us into the kingdom of the heavens. We will come out of the ark and we will be well received by the son of man. He will say to the overcomers, well done, faithful slave. Enter into the joy of your master. Come into the wedding feast. You're part of my bride. Why, why would any sober, enlightened brother or sister give this up for some fleeting enjoyment through a certain lifestyle? In the present age. Where's the sobriety? Where's the thoughtfulness? Maybe they don't believe it. When it comes down to it. Well. I don't know. And now. A true story. Meaning an account. With something Brother Lee said. In a particular meeting. That I will never forget. Maybe. Even on the new earth, I'll remember this. 
And Brotherly asked that there would be a lunch, a corporate lunch, for all those that were helping his ministry in any way. Those that not only wrote outlines, but and those that recorded them and translated them, but those that were ushering, those that were in the parking lot in any way, those that would come in and help with the packing and shipping, several dozen of us. And we had an enjoyable meal together. And then he said two things. And the first was, he expressed his gratitude for your help, for your service. I can't carry out my ministry without you. Then this is what he said. And this is the essence of his thought. He said, when Noah was building the ark, surely there were other other people on the earth that they believed in God and that they saw that Noah was working so hard. They're a neighbor, they're a friend. We don't have a record, but it's probably likely during that length of time, someone would say, let me help you, you know, cut the wood here, and let me help you gather this. They were working for him. They were working with him. But they were not part of the ark. They chose to stay and not enter. And this is Brother Lee's word. I'm concerned about you, that you are like Noah's friends, helping him in his work. Helping him build the ark. But you're not part of the ark. What a faithful, loving word is that. And I had just been serving with him, maybe full time for two years. That has just been inscribed in my heart. I don't want to be able to say it's already been 47 and a half years. I've been full time. Serving in a particular way. And had the Lord say, you did a lot of work. You really helped. I appreciate that. But you didn't build yourself in. Somehow you kept yourself isolated. And so that is why we want to be in a church life that is building all of us in. And it happens in local churches. It's not altogether mystical. It's practical. It's real. We come together for this purpose. That's why when the saints were speaking last night, they were building. They were ark builders. We were building one another together. This genuine mutuality in our sharing, in our praying, in everything. We're all sheep. We're all shepherds. We're doing this together. And we will become the corporate Christ. Now I can read for quite a while without too much comment. The ark built by Noah is a type of Christ as the salvation of God's elect. The ark that we are building today is the corporate Christ, the church, as our salvation from today's crooked, perverted, and evil generation. If I... 
was a younger parent today and had young children, maybe in elementary school age. Remember how I prayed for my children, but now it would be much deeper. Lord, have mercy on my family. Save my children from this present evil age. Do what you need to do to save us all. And we should pray for one another's children and fight for them. They're the enemy's target to wipe out this generation. To almost nullify the army the Lord is raising up. And we're not going to be passively observing this. We're going to engage in tremendous spiritual warfare. We're going to learn and we're going to fight based on the victory of Christ. We're not going to let the enemy rob all of our kids and ruin the lives of so many dear saints. B, the church life is today's ark to terminate the present age and bring in God's kingdom. What a new view of the church life. It's today's ark. When the ark is built, the Lord will come. We'll see this at the end, if I remember correctly. And I may not remember correctly, so I mention it now. This is equals the bride has made herself ready. The church has built itself up. That's Ephesians 4.16. The body builds itself up in love. Noah was saved not only from God's judgment, but also from the crooked, perverted, and evil generation. The kind of salvation that Noah built, secured, and enjoyed was not a salvation merely from eternal perdition, but also from the crooked, evil generation into a new age. As you're hearing this, especially, say, if you're well, of, of any age, does the name of anyone come up in your heart as I'm sharing this? Someone you care for, maybe someone you served in children's meeting 25 years ago. Maybe someone you helped support when they went to FDTA. Or you attended their wedding meeting 18 years ago. There's someone inwardly in your heart you're related to. And now you wonder, where are they? What are they doing? How can we be indifferent? We know where they're headed. They themselves don't know. How can we be passive? Lord, we bring them to you. There's no judgment in our praying. There's only loving concern. Lord, come in. Save them. Save them from this age. Don't let their whole life be a waste. Save them. I believe the Lord will anoint prayers. And I believe the Lord will raise up vital praying groups, especially of sisters throughout the earth. I'm aware of some of these groups. Their prayers are shaking the heavens and the earth. Maybe just three of them, sometimes four, praying for 20 minutes. But those prayers are really prayers. 
and they're praying in the spirit of the body. They are praying in Matthew 18, binding and loosing. This we need, and I believe this we will have. What we are building in the church life is the corporate Christ as the ark for our salvation and for the salvation of the ones under our care. That's why when we preach the gospel to unbelievers, we want people to be saved. Every once in a while, when I, in a limited amount of time, are just checking on the news to find out certain things and how they're being presented, then I see this person, obviously just a talking head, full of self and satanic elements, but they're a person, a living human being. Lord, save that woman. Save that man. I could even pray. It just comes to mind. Lord, save those in the government. Is Nancy Pelosi saved? 81 years old, a Catholic? It's not too late. Save her. We don't want people to perish. Then how much more do we pray for the salvation of the ones under our care? See, the salvation in Philippians 2.12 is the salvation that saves us from the crooked and perverted generation. This salvation is the church as the corporate Christ whom we are building as today's ark. Yes, this is what we're saying. This salvation is the church. The ark is our salvation. Please dwell on this a little. It makes a big difference when we are built in. The Lord said this in Matthew 16, upon this rock, I will build my church. Then what did he say next? The gates of Hades will not prevail against it. This means, the the Lord is saying, the enemy hates this. The enemy fears this. The enemy will attack this. And he will use his ultimate weapon, which is death in many forms. That's the gates of Hades. They'll be opened up. They'll be bombarding the church. But the gates of Hades will not prevail. They will not win. Why? What can prevent death from winning? Resurrection life. The resurrected Christ. The power of resurrection life. It is in resurrection life that the body is building itself up in love. It's in this kind of life. It's not in natural life with natural affection and this and that. That has to be terminated. We are building the corporate Christ in resurrection. And no matter how severe is the enemy's attack, he will not prevail. Because this word, the Lord's word, So I'm not shocked and I'm not afraid when wave after wave talk 
attacks. For some reason, from the time I turned 80, the enemies had a non-stop, again and again, attack to end my life. It caused me to give up life. You're too old to go on. And I realized, no, this is not the feeling of the body. This is not the feeling of my, my helper. I have not finished my course. If it's finished, all right. But not now. I recognize you. We choose life. We're not passive. Remember in the life study of of crystallization study of Deuteronomy, there was a message on that. Moses said, choose between life and death. Choose life. The death will dominate the present evil age. It will dominate Christianity. It will dominate dear saints that I would think they think they're of the Lord's recovery, but they're really of this generation. But those who are built in, nothing is going to defeat us. What a word the Lord told us. Two, we need a salvation that is built not by God directly but by our daily cooperating with his inward operation. And in Philippians 2.13, it says, it is God who is operating in you, both the willing and the working of his good pleasure. He understands our human shortcomings, our weaknesses. And here comes a requirement. We don't, we don't like it. We don't know how we can possibly do it. And we don't hide that from the Lord to say, Lord, I don't think I can go on any further. But God is operating in us. Brother James gave a wonderful message on this matter of the operating God. And he operates the willing, then the working. Of his good pleasure. This means it's a desire of his heart. What could be more precious to me. And nothing is more precious to me. Than knowing the desire of God's heart. Again. What a blessing it would be. To stand before the son of man. And he said to you. Well done. Your life. Helped fulfill. The desire of my heart heart and my desire of my heart is her the bride for whom I died and you contributed to this well our God is operating in us and we just need to cooperate when we sense the inward moving and so in less than 10 minutes when it's sharing time just respond to the operation Stand against your disposition. Don't be shy. If you can speak English, even if it's your second language, just go ahead. We're going to be standing with you to draw out your portion. D, God wants the church, the ark, where we can be saved from today's evil generation. God wants to save us through this ark from the crooked generation. And usher us into God's kingdom 
to fulfill his eternal purpose. What a God we have. He wants to rescue us. Then we really don't know. This is new territory. I'm going to usher you into the kingdom. I'm going to usher you into the wedding feast. God cares for whether or not we are in the ark. He cares. He cares that we're involved with the question that I read and responded to. He cares. He hasn't given up. And I just mentioned, I was fellowshipping with my wife. What would happen if someone is with his friends, church friends, Saturday night, doing the fancy dancing and drinking, and they're at the table, sipping in, whatever it is. And then the conviction comes. Leave. Never come back. Reminds me of Brother Lee's, Brother Lee's testimony about praying soccer. I was told he was called Locomotive Lee. He was really good. He's saved. He's playing soccer. The ball comes to him through his foot. He can't kick. He's convicted. No soccer again. This is what we need to pray for. I'm not going to try to persuade anyone. In no way. But we're not giving up either. We won't give up on anyone until we're raptured. Love does not give up. E, we need not only to preach the individual Christ, but also to build the corporate Christ. The church, which is today's ark, through this corporate Christ, we are saved from the crooked and perverted generation. I think it's quite clear. There's one thought flowing through this message Again and again. Be part of the of building the ark, the corporate Christ, and be saved from this evil generation and be ushered into the kingdom. Maybe if someone asks you, if they're curious what you did over the weekend, say on Saturday night, we had a rip roaring time. What did you do? And you can say, well, um, I spent a couple hours with a number of people uh, building an ark. <laughs> what do you mean? What is this ark thing? Well, I want to be saved from the judgment that's coming and the present crooked and evil generation. So I decided to, through Zoom, to be in a conference with at least a couple hundred other people, maybe more than that, to hear a word about the the building of what's called the corporate Christ, the ark. And I really enjoyed that. And now here it is on Monday morning. It's a happy Monday morning for me. Today's an ark building day for me. I'll do my job. Don't worry. I'm not going to sit at my desk and not do what I'm supposed to do. But inwardly, I'm part of the ark builders, the corporate Christ. If you'd like to know more, let's have lunch together tomorrow. We can just talk about it. So this, this is 
what's on the Lord's heart tonight. He loves us, all of us, wherever we are tonight, whatever our condition is, whatever our stage and growth in life may be. He loves us all the same. He knows what's coming. He wants to save us. And he wants his church to be built. And he wants the kingdom to come. And he wants us to participate. That's why we're having this conference. Because this is God's heart. Don't ask me how I know. I just know. We can touch it right now. He really, really loves the saints in the Lord's recovery. He loves the churches. No matter what their condition is. Even if there are some, even maybe some closely related to you, have wandered off decades ago, maybe 20 plus years ago. It's not too late for God. He will seek the lost sheep. Seek until he finds. And put it on his back and bring it home. And then he will fulfill the shock the enemy. The prophet Joel's word. I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. It's not too late. If you're still alive, it's not too late. Your son, your daughter, your grandchildren that are older, the saints you know, it's not too late. This is the Lord's shepherding heart. And I've talked to some that returned after 20 years, 30 years. They're so happy. But then the enemy came to attack to say, yeah, you're back, but it's too late. You wasted too much time. So I just enjoyed with my brother to shut the enemy's mouth. Listen to this word. God will restore the years. And because when he works as the sevenfold intensified spirit, he can do in one month but previously required the saint to do to take a few years. He is intensifying his organic salvation. That's how much he cares. That's why I still have hope. We do not give up on anyone. Yet we have to go on positively. We will not be distracted by that. But the Lord is going to enlarge our heart and our prayers will encompass a much bigger range and names will come up. And we don't know what the situation is. We just say, Lord, you know, save this one, save them from this age, bring them back home, make, make this one an ark builder with us. When while the apostles were uh, preaching the individual Christ, they were building up the corporate Christ, the Christ in which they will enjoy God's full salvation. We should be faithful to do the same thing, preaching the gospel and building the ark, preaching Christ and building Christ. And so I look to the Lord now in the last few minutes. It's still only 8.20 or 8.21, but I don't think I need to go all the way to 8.30.
the Lord really wants to put this in our heart. That first we personally are enlightened. I am living in the present age. I need to live a normal human life until the end. That's why, Lord, you indicated the men were working. The women were working. They're normal human beings, but inwardly, they were ark building. They were living in another realm. They were abiding in the Lord, and he was abiding in them. And now, he is releasing this word so that his hand may follow the word in the lives, I would dare to say, of at least a few thousand saints, that they will be touched, not not just by the word, but by the prayers that will ascend after this conference. And he will just call them back. And build them in. But surely. The ones that are. Around us. The the working saints. Mentioned in that question. I don't deny they love the Lord. They believe the Lord. But they have their own concept. Of what is the so-called balanced church. And how they need to do this. This is part of their way of living. Well, we love them even more. But part of the love is to say, you don't know what you're doing. You don't don't know what the result will be. Are you willing to know what was presented this weekend? Would you like to know the burden? Would you give me five minutes we just share with you the essence of it, the burden, will you? And would you consider this before the Lord? F, when this ark is built up, the Lord Jesus will return. Revelation 19.7, it's time to read this. What a wonderful verse. Well, first let me read five and six. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all his slaves, and those who fear him, the small and the great. And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters and like the sound of mighty thunders saying, hallelujah for the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and let us give the glory to him for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife, has made herself ready. And it was given to her that she should be clothed in fine linen, bright and clean. 
for the fine linen is the righteousnesses of the saints. And he said to me, write, blessed are they who are called to the marriage dinner of the Lamb. This is what we're heading toward. When the ark is built up, this means the body of Christ has been built up sufficiently in the local churches. It means the one new man is mature. He expresses God and represents God with his authority. And the bride, the wife, is ready. So when the Lord sees this, he will return. And he will return in two stages. Just before the great tribulation starts, he will rapture her. And the deceased overcomers, the man-child, will be resurrected and raptured. And we will all be brought to the throne and enter the wedding feast. While that is taking place, the great tribulation is occurring on the earth. And then the Lord will begin his parousia, his presence gradually descending in a hidden way in a cloud with his bridal army. And then he will return to deal with the enemy, to abolish human government, to abolish money, to manifest the kingdom. But he's first coming for her, for us. This is what's on his heart. The Lord has not yet come back because he is still waiting for the ark to be built. He's waiting. Because we are doing the building. In and with him. Maybe we should consider Lord. How much longer. Will you wait. Maybe he would say. That depends on you. Maybe. You won't fulfill this. I have to raise up another group of people. Maybe I'll focus myself in another part of the earth. Sooner or later it will happen. Then why don't we say, Lord, sooner? How this works out, the sovereign God determines the time, yet on our part we are involved with the time. He's waiting. I believe many of you know what it is to wait in love, in silence, for years over something that means so much to you. There's nothing more you can do. Nothing more you can say. You can only pray and wait in love. Our beloved husband-to-be is waiting. When the testimony of the church in the Lord's recovery is matured, the Lord Jesus will return. Will some please pray for this in the days to come?
when the testimony of the church in the Lord's recovery is matured, the Lord Jesus will return. He's not coming for a girl. He's not coming for a teenager. He's coming for a mature, built-up, beautiful, radiant, Christ-expressing, warrior counterpart. And he will have this. And with my whole being, supported by my helper, I'm just hoping more and more this will take place in our lifetime. Then we can truly say corporately, Lord, the ark has been built. Come. May that day come as soon as possible. Until then, may the Lord save us from this evil generation and build us into himself as the corporate Christ, the ark. This is what's in the Lord's heart. And this is the burden of this message. So my portion is finished. And we really need to hear many, many things. 25, 30, a minute each. That will complete the message. I mean what I'm saying. The message will be completed after the saints share their portions.